Hello and welcome into season five, episode one of Podcast 63. It is Buck and Lou. We are back. We are back to weekly episodes. You get to put up with our voices for the next, hopefully, six months because we're playing deep into March this year. Um, and it is going to be another wonderful season to be a Rambler fan. Actually, I can think of uh, 10 more reasons to be happy to be a Rambler fan. Uh, Lou, you are one of the reasons. So how are you doing? How uh, how are you celebrating the inaugural episode of season five today? Yeah, I think oh, what I have going for me is I was going to rep so much gear, but really I'm just cleaning the rafters. I'm just getting ready. I kind of get a feel like we deserve maybe a, a conference, new kind of conference banner. Uh, potentially, right? So, like, you got to get it ready. The court looks great. So, I'm just getting the rafters ready just to get things ready for in, in a month here, right? Um, we we got we got some ball games that are going to be played, and uh, I think we're all very excited. Technically, we're in the month of a basketball game. Yes, it might be exhibition, but in this month, we will see a Loyola uh, basketball team play a game. That is true. So. Make sure to get your dancing shoes out of the closet. Uh, make sure to purchase that new NIL gear and uh, be ready for some big city East Coast basketball because this year Loyal Ramblers are in the Atlantic 10. Uh, stick with us and don't forget, always remember, go Blurs. He jumps, he passes out to Hunter. Hunter shoots off the rim. Rouse gets the scores. It's over. It's over. We won. We won the ball game. Viola won the ball game. Oh, And we are back. Um, So here's kind of the forecast for the next few weeks um, before we actually get into our uh, main season content. So today, uh, we're just going to kind of go over some big storylines this year. I think that's kind of the easiest way to break into the new season. Um, I hope actually, you know, I've been talking to my family and stuff. I know uh, you have as well, Lou, but like I always, I want to start off the season with like an easy to listen to episode and not so much get into like, what is Braden Norris's three point percentage? Like how, what's the efficiency rating for, you know, Tom Welch this year? Like I want to talk about stuff that is exciting and fun and uh, might not always just be about like the actual play on the court like this team this year has so much going for it um that is uh like pop and circumstance and i think that's like a, the fun part one of the fun parts about being a fan so that's what we're going to talk about this week um and probably just honestly us two rambling on uh pun intended um because we haven't talked rambler basketball between the two of us in a while so i think we'll just kind of probably go off on a tangent about something um so that's this week. Next week will be our um, A10 uh, preview. So we're going to be talking about other teams. Um, I'm hoping we're going to have a special guest on. If not next week, we will definitely have a special guest on before the start of the season. And uh, they will help us break down the other teams in the conference. Uh, after that, we will have our more in-depth um, breakdown of Loyola specifically. Uh, that's when we'll probably get more into the nitty-gritty, the numbers, stats, the predictions, uh, that's when we'll have, um, we'll look at our schedule more and maybe predict like wins and losses. And then the final episode before the, before the new season, 
I actually think it will be after the exhibition. Uh, it, yeah, so we'll have some basketball to talk about. It will be our Halloween episode, which will be fun. Um, maybe we'll dress up, even though literally no one can see it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that will be probably uh, – it's probably just going to be exciting stuff. So we'll probably have a game recap. We'll have, honestly, like a game preview because uh, then – after that, the first game will be the 7th of November. So that's just uh, from recording. That's that's four weeks from today. Uh, so it's not that much time and a lot of time to, uh, unfortunately, get to hear us talk about uh, Loyola basketball. <laughs> so with all that being said, Lou, I'm putting you on the spot here. What is your – like either your, your the storyline you're looking forward to the most or one that is the most – um, like eye-catching or interesting to you um, with our Loyola Ramblers? It can be anything from player to coach to location to uh, the challenges that flighting or like flying presents uh, in our new conference. Just any, what's the one off the top of your head you're looking forward to? I think the one off the top of my head, honestly, is actually um, could this team go 3-0 in the Myrtle Beach Invitational? Um okay. I think that's a big statement. Um, I think that will set the tone potentially for like the rest of the year. Um, and I think that's just something that really helps both in the middle uh, kind of, of that beginning of non-con, um, but also then the the fight toward the rest of the year and kind of figures out what type of team this is. That's the biggest one I would say. Um, I think uh, one there that's out there for me might be like a top, a top three finish for A-10. But I'm going to stick with my big one will be going 3-0 and and making sure we win that Myrtle Beach Invitational. Kind of very similar to the Savannah Invitational we were at a few years ago, right, where we kind of like co-won it with Valpo even, I think, right? Um, just setting that tone early for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's it's it's definitely winnable. Um, you know, there there is a couple other good teams, but uh, we played Tulsa first, I believe, uh, that like should be a, a game that we win. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, there's a couple different routes you can go, but the other, uh, highly rated team in that, uh, tournament would be, uh, Texas A&M. Uh, they'll be very good. Uh, they usually, they have been at least in the recent years. So that should be a good matchup. It's always a fun to, to have them play. Do they play three games in three days, or is that one? It might be three games in four days. I forget if they have a day off for. Um... I think they they are according to this calendar on our schedule. We have Thursday, Friday, and then we don't. We wouldn't play until Sunday. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So, but it's still fun to see like three games in four days. Uh, last year we had the we had two great games against Michigan State and Auburn. You know, unfortunately, couldn't win either one of those. But then came back and had a, a good win against uh, Arizona State. So those those tournaments are always fun. It's usually a holiday weekend, so you know something to do while you're stuffing your face with food um, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. It should be good for the guys. A good uh, team, you know, gelling uh, as long as it goes goes well. Um, for me, I, I'm personally looking forward to some some new opponents um you know i I, i've kind of gotten the feeling there's just like on twitter online uh, other a10 people um not that we're being like underrated because i don't want to say that like i think there's a respect level from other a10 teams but almost just like kind of forgotten about sometimes and that's okay i think that's actually a good thing i think 
the past since our final four uh, run, um, I think in the Missouri Valley Conference, we've either been predicted to, to win the, the league or finish second. And, you know, there, there's a certain level of like um, uh, accountability and like expectation for that sort of team. And now, you know, coming to the A-10, um, I think people think we're going to do well. But even like today, and I don't mean to pick on this person, but it's just the one that I'm thinking of today. There was an A-10 account that was like tweeting out like top point guard uh, groups for, for every A-10 team. And Loyola was ninth. And although there are there's some excellent, excellent point guards in the A-10, Yuri Collins, Ace Baldwin of St. Louis and, and then of VCU, um, and there's some other good groups. I know Davidson has a good group of point guards. Um, uh, but it, like, there is no way in hell that Loyola with Braden Norris, Marquise Kennedy, and then probably Jalen Quinn as like the backup is ninth. Like it, at the very least, they should be like sixth, um, in my opinion. So it was just like certain things like that where the guy was like, oh, it was really hard to like rate them. But that just comes from a point of like, well, he hasn't watched Braden Norris play a whole season, right? Like he doesn't, he hasn't watched us play a whole season yet. And that's fair. Like, I think that's understandable. But what I'm getting at here is I don't think they're, the expectations are as high. I think the pressure is going to be off a little bit. Um, I felt like this team had just an immense pressure last year. And they came through in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. But um, I'm just looking forward to them just going out and playing basketball um, and, and not having those same pressure and expectation. And also creating new rivalries along the way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that or, like, uh, what I was trying to get get at the end there was, like, having new rivalries too. But uh, Yeah, I think, honestly, if the SLU competition rivalry doesn't become something, I'd be very shocked. Uh, we are Chicago-based, of course, and I think a lot of the SLU uh, alumni, um, after they graduate, head up to Chicago and probably live and stay in the area. So um, I think that's going to be a huge, huge contention to be a massive rivalry that I would be very excited to um, go to games for, right? And I think our rivalries, even within our and Missouri Valley, didn't become a little bit more intense until we started dominating the conference, right? Like there'd be games you'd go to before the final four and it'd be like SIU fans would be the loudest people in the entire gym and in all of Gentile there, you wouldn't hear anything but SIU chants. Um, but then you would go last year and you couldn't really compete if you were even where Bradley, right? Cause a lot of the alumni of the schools live in Chicago. So um, I think the SLU one for sure. Dayton's probably going to be another one. Um, that I really hope becomes something. And we'll see. Again, the first kind of iteration, um, I don't know, we, we kind of have a history of Richmond recently, right? Um, and we have a bit of a history uh, Davidson, right, we played. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine how many teams would. Um, but honestly, though, I think just the players themselves, regardless of the schools, but the players on these other A-10 teams, I think – do know of Loyola and I think they might come and be like we're not going to get pushed around by the new team and yet I don't think Loyola we want to come in and be like we're going to get pushed around by teams who have been here right mm -hmm. so I think that's also kind of on the floor it's like oh if you get a win against Loyola that's that's you you know the name right people know the name it's not just like a oh what are we winning against like the bottom 
team in the conference know you're playing against a brand new team that everyone's expecting to make an impact. So, yeah, one of the things, and I'll just come out and say it. One of the teams I'm I'm happy we don't have to play anymore, and they can take this as a compliment is Drake. Like I was kind of at a breaking point, and I'm so glad that we got the last laugh. But that COVID season, those games, like both at Drake. And, you know, we, we beat the ever-living daylights out of them once and then lost by one or two or three, whatever it was, very small margin. And then, you know, the stupid crap talking. And, look, we don't know what was exactly said on both sides, but it did seem uh, petty and, you know, like, yeah, okay, you beat us by one, we beat you by 30 the night before. And since then, all those matchups with Drake have just been like, oh, it just, it felt like, like, again, that pressure, that expectations and, um, I will say, like, Drake fans at uh, Arch Madness were some of the rudest fans uh, I've encountered personally. Um, and that's just my, you know, my experience, my sporting experience. But, um, I look, they have a great team. I Like, uh, this is not me bashing them as, like, a team. They have an excellent team. They're very well coached. Uh, you know, uh, Tucker is going to be an excellent – it is an excellent basketball player. But <clears throat> just the, the, the dumb pressure that came along with those matchups – uh, I'm happy to not have them. And now, you know, of course, we're going to have some tough matchups against like Slew and Dayton and VCU and whatever, St. Bonaventure maybe. But we get to create new drama, right? Create new uh, rivals and, and that sort of thing. And I, I just think that's a little bit more fun than like um, having to continue to go up against these teams that don't even want us there, honestly. Uh, so... I don't know. I, I'm I'm just that's like one of the things I'm looking most forward to is this like fresh start, new start, um, and uh, yeah, just kind of seeing uh, like you said. I think SLU fans and Dayton fans in particular are going to travel well. I think I've heard St. Bonaventure. I believe is the other one that travels really well. Um, I know they're they did a, a lot of traveling. Sorry to cut you off, but no, yeah. during the NIT, they uh, really traveled well. Um, that was noted kind of on um, social media I was following. Um, they have a pretty dedicated student section slash, like, I guess, just they have a really good student section. Um, so I think that kind of also feeds in. And I think I saw over social media that, like, alumni were helping getting students down to games. So I think that that was something um, that was interesting to watch. So, yeah, again, very interesting just because it's a bit of a hike. Uh, maybe that's something I'll notice. Maybe if I look at some old game tapes to see how like Bonaventure fans, if they went to slew games or not, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. The rivalries I think will feed also how we want to make an impact, right? I think Drew right away, right? Like if you think about the Bradley game we had at Bradley last year, that wasn't a pretty game, right? Uh, um, but I think that nearly fueled then also our next competition against them. And that was, if I remember correctly, that was the ter- that was the conference tournament. Um, so it's like just that new rivalry sense, and also that kind of taste of like competition can really just change kind of a dynamic of a team, in my opinion. Yeah, we we lost to Dr- Dr- uh, Bradley, and then the first game, next game we played them was the first game um, of the conference tournament. So again, that whole mentality can really change a team and the dynamic. And I think that's what Drew's also looking for is like kind of we're not fresh meat. We're not just ready for someone to kind of chomp on and just 
take advantage of a team who's new. We're really just ready to make an impact. That That's the thing. I think that's another storyline that it's kind of the overarching theme is like this team isn't, at least from what I would kind of a team that's going to just roll over, right? Mm-hmm. They're not just going to let the, this new conference, oh, we're going to take a year to figure out this conference, right? Like, no, I, I, I honestly think they're going to want to go and just attack. And the first thing they're going to want to do is make an impact where they're non-con, but then going into their conference, right? Because uh, that non-con prepares you for a conference. They just can make an impact against the VCUs, the SLUs, the St. Bonnie's, the Dayton's, right? Um, even George White, like, they're not going to back down. And, again, you're they're not going to – they might go perfect. That would be amazing. But we understand, like, we're going to be given some fight. And that's what I expect um, is going to be – there There was a year, and it's funny, that was kind of something in my head, right? There was a year – it was before the Final Four. It's like over, like, a six-game span, we were maybe four and two. Or sorry, no, two and four maybe. And of the four losses, I think the total separation was like five. Yeah. Um, or so, or like maybe seven, right? Some very all single digits, ridiculous, right? Um, and I do think we're gonna come to some of those close games, especially against Dayton, especially against SLU. Um, these are gonna be very close competitions, but I don't think it's gonna be games where we're just like, oh, hey, we're we're not we're not sure what's going on. We're just gonna figure it out. Like, no, I think Drew has a year under his belt, right? That's a huge storyline there. Drew's got a year under his belt. He he now can be like, I've coached, I've been a head coach in the NCAA for one full year. And maybe he gets those first-year jitters out. I don't think if he did have any, he really showed us wrong, Make winning the conference championship and going to the NCAA tournament. Um, so it's, there's a lot of uh, cool things overarching, but I think this team being ready physically – mentally just it really can help because of the team situation we have with a coach who's young second year but also guys who we've really only lost maybe lucas you could say and a here but leadership that's not been lost in like Braden and marquise kennedy that's the biggest thing right there it's like you have leadership on a coach who's not been kind of shaky a strong leader there and then the leadership of the team you have Braden, marquise other guys who are ready they're stepping up right tom's even there so a lot of guys that you'd easily see that kind of make this whole jump to a new conference not be a big scary thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, speaking of coaching, um, if I kind of want to steer this conversation a little bit, um, I think the coaching is going to take a huge step up. Honestly, I think the coaching level in the A10, and this is more your expertise than mine, so please correct me or like add to this when I'm done here. But like you know, you you just like there are some quite honestly like legends in this conference coaching and like Frank Martin, Archie Miller, uh, Fran Dunphy. Um, and also like, it, it's just interesting with like Davidson losing their legendary coach and Bob McKillop. Uh, didn't it, isn't it his, his son that took over too? Is that who? Yeah. It just like, I, I think it's interesting that like, in my opinion, I think this uh, coaching at then the A-10 you know, is going to be a, a big step up. And like you said, like Drew has a year under his belt now. Um, and, you know, as even though um, he might not know as much information about these teams as he did about the Missouri Valley, the the A-10 teams also don't know much about us other than film and what they can gather uh, on that. Um, so I just it, – it's something I'm looking forward to 
um, as a fan is to see how Drew reacts to these sort of situations. Um, and, you know, this isn't meant as to be shady to Ben Jacobson or, or DeVries or Wardle or whatever, but, like, it's just a different – this is a different echelon of coaching. Um, but I'm curious to see what you think, Lou. Yeah, I think uh, uh, LaSalle making their hire, right, of course, uh, bringing in a veteran. I, I pretty much feel like I can say a veteran um, of the A-10 and Frank Dunphy um, with would be is quite a drastic difference, right, compared to what Drew's bringing in Drew um, his first year. But I think um, the biggest thing with coaching is like Fordham Lute lost their coach to go Villanova, right? Um, so that's a huge storyline there. So we have new coaches there, but then you have Martin and Ar- Archie Miller, who are coaches from big time programs. Archie from for- uh, from Indiana, Frank from South Carolina. Um, so that's a very interesting storyline of understanding how they adjust. And again, what's the statistics? If I looked it into it, it's like big time coach, big time program coaches, um, either just new landing spots, right? Do they succeed right away? Um, kind of all those those questions are going to be there. Um, but then you have guys at Dayton, right, who just are just already established. They're getting the recruits. Um, Anthony Grant, I'm pretty sure, was offered to leave. Um, pretty sure he was offered the Florida job maybe once or twice, um, being from the Florida area. So um, he's trying to establish himself there. Um so, yeah, it, it again, I think the funny one is to compare. Uh, Dunphy was there with Temple for, I don't know, 13 years, and he's coming back to coach, and he's 74 years old. And then we got Drew. That might be. I'm going to look into that. Is is Dunphy the oldest college basketball coach? I know McKillop was youngest? up there. Like That's what I'm saying. Far, McKillop yeah. was up there, yeah. Oh, I'm going to look into that. Well, well, maybe you take it the next point. But, yeah, I think coaching is going to be a massive, right? Some guys have experience at different schools that can really translate, and some guys are in new territory. Um, I don't know much about the Fordham coach. That's something I can look into. But that was a weird – for Fordham, that no one expected Kyle Neptune to leave in the middle of when it did, right? It wasn't like he was on the way out. Uh, it wasn't really that any coaching search was looking for him, but – he got tapped on the shoulder, and Wright was like, hey, I need you to go take over for Villanova. <laughs> so mm-hmm. things can really change uh, for sure. Um, I'm pretty sure Bob uh, McKillop's son, Matt, I don't think he has – he's been, in, he's been what, the assistant for, I think, 14, 15 years. So this yeah. is his first head coaching gig ever. Uh, now, again, I don't know, Dayton people can fill us in maybe about, uh, or not Dayton, sorry, Davidson people can fill us in about, like, how involved Matt was, right? But, yeah, no, even, sorry, I'm looking, Bob McKillop was only, is only 72, so he's even younger yeah. okay. um, by two years. So, yeah, I think coaching is a big cornerstone. I don't know what your opinion is of, like, the experience of being the A-10, or is it more about, like, what your experience has done? Um because you can look at MVC experience. Ben Jacobson's been there for a while, and he's been to the tourney, while maybe some other coaches have been there for a while, and they hadn't really done much with that experience. So I don't know if you if you think being in the A10 for a while helps, or is it a matter of, like, if you're a winning coach, you've been to the to other levels other than just, like, 
in the conference experience. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it matters. Um, I think with like the A10, like we've just said, it's like a step up. I think um, the competition's better. The I think also just like the scouting level is going to be better. Uh, we know that the athleticism is better, and I think with all that included, the coaching needs to be. Um, uh, I don't know. Stringent is the right word, but if you're not if you're not doing your job well as a coach, you're gonna lose players and you're gonna lose the the team. And now in this like version of college basketball in 2022, like players will just transfer. So I do think that the like having coaches that have been around the A10 specifically uh, is is a big plus, which is why I'm excited to see how Drew does. Um, and I'm I'm interested to see if he uses that like newness his his naivete maybe to the A10 as as a benefit to him. Um, you know, is he gonna try to implement new things and try to really throw off the other A10 teams by presenting new stuff that you know if they would have watched the tape in the MVC like that wouldn't be on that tape, or is he just gonna go with he, what he thinks is best and what he thinks he knows well? and just try to bring that over from the Missouri Valley conference. And it's definitely not black and white like that. Like it's definitely going to be a mix, but um, I'm interested to see uh, how that first sort of the first half of conference season goes and like how he tries to implement his offense and how it gets received into, into the a 10. And um, I think Loyola has got a much different team that they've, and then they've had in the past years just on uh, paper Um but yeah, I, I just it's a it's a fun thing to talk about. But I'm I'm just excited to see some of those uh, some of those great coaches match up with Drew. Um, I think we last year, you know, there's probably a handful of times we could say, oh yeah, Drew got out coached in this game. And in the A10, I just think if you get out coached, you're going to lose the game. Like I think it's just that simple. And there were probably two or three times where Drew got out coached and they still won uh, the game. A storyline that would be interesting is that with Drew being so focused on defense, right? MVC basketball was kind of that like grind, maybe low scoring. I think a great example personally from the past season was the at Southern Illinois game, where I think there might have been a total of 24 points scored in the first half. <laughs> I think you're um, right. And, and that was just like a grind, right? Now, we're going to learn more about A-10 basketball as we go, but I don't feel like that happens too often in A-10. Um, like you said, kind of more athleticism, maybe more tempo. So that could easily cause kind of a flag to be waved by Drew. Not like not a white flag. We're not saying he's surrendering or anything, but to be like, hey, I got to change up my playbook, right? Because like your, your strategy is kind of focused on what type of teams you're going to play, right? So you might run something different in the non-con, and try out some new things and then the conference figure out what's working, what's not working. Right. Because you play some of these teams so many times, you got to figure out adjustments and flow and everything. And the tempo might easily change this year. We might see a few things different. Right. I think the biggest two things over the last maybe two to three years from Porter's transition out and Drew's transition up has been more threes being taken and an emphasis of course on defense. Right. Um, less about going to get that offensive rebound and more getting back on D. Um, so things like that could easily change. We could become a team that focuses maybe on the big man scoring, right, and less about the shooting three. I, I doubt that with Braden, 
But again, those are topics that we can, we might dive into over the season and see evolve or degress and kind of just be put in put on the bench, left on the bench because Drew's like, hey, I'm gonna grab that play later, right? Um, there's gonna be, I think, a lot of adjustments with rotation for sure. That's another storyline I'll be intrigued to watch is what a, what rotations fit well, especially for an A10. Um, and the type of player, right? Because this this season also, if people want to really start tracking it from this first A10 season, will nearly also dictate the player we recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cameron Crutwig set a tone in the NBC that if you got one big man, one player can kind of help take it over. Do I like that mentality? Not necessarily. I think as he, Cam got older, we we used point guards and we had other pieces. But you look at like a Drake, they run almost everything through Tucker. You look at a U and I that ran everything through AJ Green. Uh, you look at uh, what SIU, they ran everything through Marcus Domask. So they were kind of centered around one key pillar and player, and that's how they ran their offense, right? Um, and I think that's going to change with the A10. I think there are multiple skilled players on each team that can a Yuri Collins, right? that can just take over from someone else, right? We've preached for years, next man up, next person off the bench. Well, these teams, their next man up is on the starting team just as much as Loyola's guys. So that's going to be a very big thing with these new comp- competitions. It's like, what what are we going up against? And that's where the coaching staff is going to have to decide, like you said, and I appreciate the point. It's going to be so vital, not only the players we put out there, but like the strategy we give them, right? How many times did you and I question, like, oh, why are we giving that up, right? That must have been not scouted right. I think it was the Bradley game. They might have been, we noticed something like that. Like, the, how many backdoor cuts did they go? And we were like, how is that not being covered, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, I again, it, there's a lot, so many to go into detail, right, and so much recap we could. I would say, what is the biggest thing you might be kind of, is there something you think there might be shelved? from an NBC coaching perspective? And then what is something maybe that might be brand new, you think? Um, that's a good question. It kind of leads me I, – I was, I was thinking more a lot about the roster. And um, I think one of the, the, the new pieces that I'm really intrigued to see how it fits in is Sheldon Edwards. And I know we're probably going to have to wait a little bit longer to see him. But I just – he really strikes me as a very different player than Loyola has had in the past – five, six years, five years, I guess, probably longer, honestly. Um, and in just that, like, he's this high energy athletic, like shot creator type and his defense is, is yet to kind of be seen. Like, I, I don't think it's necessarily bad, but he uh, also, that's not something that like he's known for. Um, and so I, I guess what I'm getting at here is some of the new stuff that could be, be implemented like I wonder if they're gonna if they're gonna really lean into uh, getting like quick open shots, or if it's gonna be more like you know use the whole shot clock, uh, maybe like limit possessions uh, by using a larger portion of the shot clock to get you know you know pass uh, like the second, third, fourth open pass to get an even better shot. Um, where we saw that, you know, our final four year, that's what our team was known for is, you know, passing uh, was their expertise. Um, So, yeah, one of the things I'm interested to see is if Drew leans into that and 
he uses some of his new players who are um, who have different talents, right, and different uh, expertises. And I think you lose a guy like Luke, Lucas Williamson, um, you know, it, they're going to be missing both his and Ugwak's defense on the other end. So how do you fill those holes? Or do you just try a whole different system, right? Are you really going to lean into switching everything on defense? Um, you know, now we have a couple other different options at, at the center position, at the five, uh, in addition to in addition to Hudson and Welch. So, um, yeah, I just think there's, at this point, a lot of unknowns. It was fun to see them play overseas, and I think it gave us – a little bit of insight. Um, it was great to see some of the younger guys play like Jalen Quinn. I think he probably had a, a much better trip than we were expecting. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he, how Drew um, excels with what he has this year, uh, which I think um he is is very good at getting the best out of his players and their talents. So um, I, I've seen a lot of chatter about Bryce Golden recently and like how he will be a, a huge piece to uh, what we want to do, um, being a, a four-year transfer from the Big East and starting center. Um, but yeah, I, I do think uh, in addition to looking forward to seeing uh, Sheldon Edwards, which as I'm reading, one of the things we have is the Almanac, which was put out by, um, oh my gosh, when am I drawing a blank? Who put out the Almanac? Field of 68, three-man weave, uh, verbal commits, so many people partnered with it, um, yeah. so many groups, so yeah, but really pushed by, I think, Field of 68. One of the one of the things they have for every team is like their X-Factor and although they name a few names for Loyola, the one guy they kind of focus on at the beginning was Sheldon Edwards. Um, and now we know he is going to be hurt for a month. And what I'm really hoping that they do uh, for the first month is to allow some of these younger players to get those minutes and not just focus on uh, having Marquise and Braden play 37 minutes a game. Like give Jalen Quinn, give Jaden Dawson, give Ben Schwieger those opportunities now. Cause yeah, I mean, like we, we want to get quality wins. Um, but uh, ultimately like we will have a bunch of opportunities to get quality wins in conference season too. So I'd much rather um, let those guys get those opportunities just in case they have to play some important minutes come down the stretch. And I also just think, uh, what I've seen from Jalen Quinn is extremely exciting. Um, and, I, you know, I, we saw him be excellent. Meanwhile, a lot of the, the recruiting people that I've talked to uh, believe that Jaden Dawson is the best uh, incoming freshman in this class. So, like, those two guys alone, I think, need to get some opportunities right out of the gate and get some, you know, opportunities against teams that we should be. But then there's also games in there like DePaul and – uh, Clemson and uh, Stanford, you know, those games, which uh, maybe Texas A&M, which those will be a little bit more challenging. And, and those games, you probably need to rely a little bit more on the, the upperclassmen. So um, I said a lot there. Um, I, I want to get a, just a little bit into the roster maybe, and like, just talk about some overarching themes or like 
um, who anyone maybe that you're really looking forward to seeing play. I know it's really easy once you start talking about that, just to talk about everyone, but maybe really limit it to like one or two guys that you're really looking forward to, to watching this year. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing for me is I'm kind of going to do three players, right? Someone that I'm expecting to kind of continue um, what they're doing. Someone I really hope um, has a, a kind of continued success or new success. And then I'm going to do um, someone that is brand new. I have no idea, but I have hopes for. Mm-hmm. So number one, um, Braden. I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing on his plate is just defense, right? I know he's a scrappy guy, um, but um, if we're going to continue doing switches, right, he's not – he doesn't have the longest wingspan to, like, cover everything. So being kind of tactile on defense, I think that's the biggest thing, when to jump first on a screen, when to kind of just attack the ball. Uh, His offense, though, I think can stay focused. Uh, I think the Valpo game at home speaks the truths. Um, I I think I'm confident in that – if he continues the way he's been going the last two years, I think the trajectory in offense is right where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, one person, I've said it last year, and I'm going to probably go with it again, Jacob Hudson. I know we have Bryce Golden. Um, Jacob Hudson is technically only a sophomore. Um, so I believe three years. Correct me if you want in the comments. I'm still confused on COVID year and not COVID year, right? But I believe he is three years, including this upcoming season. So, Um, I really think, um, Bryce Golden's only here for a year, right? Which is kind of tough. Again, we have had CK last year. We have Bryce Golden. We've had these, these players come in and make CK an amazing impact and an amazing person to look. And Bryce Golden has a lot of upward trajectory, high ceiling, but he's only here for a season. And so I think it's so tough to say, we just take the minutes away from Jacob. I think Hudson still needs minutes, still needs to grow. And it's tough, um, though I think there's room to maybe even play both of them. I don't know. Um, that's just something um, that's still on my plate. And then completely new, um, I'm going to go Jalen Quinn just because of what we saw from the highlights and the tape of France, um, but also kind of just the recruiting um, aspect. has um, been When we recruited him, we knew he was kind of a downhill guard, just like really can get to the bucket and really excited about it. Um, I think that could easily boost um, kind of the rotation when coming off the bench and something different potentially than just a guard who's going to be great from behind the art. Um, it will be Jalen maybe going to the rim. So that's kind of those my three player types of roster outlooks. What do you got there? Um, so I have moved all of my player love, uh, from Lucas Williamson, although I still, you know, love and appreciate him. And I think he's going to do great things wherever he plays, but yeah, I got to put that Loyola player love somewhere and I am fully on board and embracing the Marquise Kennedy hype this year. But I think it's really simple when it comes down to Marquise Kennedy. I just want him to stay healthy. Like, if that means he needs to take, uh, you know, a few less opportunities to sky up and try to block a shot, I'm here for it. If that means that he isn't throwing his body around trying to draw a foul every time, that's okay. Like, this is the point, you know, you see this, as might be a kind of a bad comparison, but with uh, young quarterbacks who can run, and you talk about how they need to slide, they need to slide, like they're fighting for every yard, but like, at some point you need to understand 
that your body is more important than that extra yard or in the basketball sense than that one extra point, right? So for Marquis Kenny, just stay healthy. Uh, I think this year the game is really going to slow down for him, um, and we're, we're going to see him use his quickness to his advantage on offense. Um, I don't even really care. Like I don't, we don't need him to be an excellent three point shooter. That's not really his game. But driving to the hoop, maybe taking a step up in his passing ability and just continuing his defense is going to be really important. That like we mentioned earlier, there's a ton of point guards in this league that are very very good. And I think occasionally Marquise will be matched up against them, especially some of the taller ones. Um, but then, uh, yeah, it's just staying healthy um, and maybe taking a little bit more control of the offense when the ball's in his hands. Um, and then the other one that I, I'm really interested in and just intrigued by um, uh, is it has to be St. Thomas. Uh, we've heard so much just about his potential – um, his, he has, his body has transformed this year, this off season. I think he's really dropped a lot of weight and put on a lot of muscle. Um, he just, his shoulders look bigger. Uh, and I, I hope for him, it's just, I love seeing even just a couple times overseas, his effort and his, like, uh, his fight on defense. If that, if he plays with that fire and that passion on defense, even if he makes mistakes and like, you know, jumps at a ball fake every once in a while, if he is showing that sort of effort and that hustle and that fire every game, like day in, day out, he is going to be a force on defense. Uh, a lot of Loyola defense comes from hustle and effort. Um, and not everyone does it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying, this isn't me just being shady, but it, there's just another level of like uh, showing that fire. And I'm, I'm really intrigued to see if he gets to it. And also, I just want to see him take it to the rim more. Uh, we know he can shoot. That's not a question. We've seen him do it. Um, look, Looking back at his high school days, we've seen him do that. I think he's just – I don't know if, if it's like a, it was his freshman year and he was just a little tentative or maybe he didn't think he had the ball security. But he has he's very crafty around the hoop. Um, he's very tricky, uh, lots of ball fakes, and he's got real long arms um, to shoot around defenders. Uh, and he's athletic as heck. And he's still a good passer, too, which is very important uh, for a player of his size. So, yeah, for me, Marquise Kenny, St. Thomas, um, those guys are just two that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I think, uh, especially with St. Thomas, he is, for me, probably going to be the X Factor on this team. Um, I think if he plays well, uh, that position and plays good defense, this team could go uh, a long way and maybe even make it to a uh, championship in Brooklyn this year uh, for the A-10 championship. Um, it's just, there's a lot of, uh, I think this year, more than in years past and probably, I don't even know, probably more than the year after the final four. There's just a lot of new faces. Um and a lot of faces who didn't see a ton of time last year, even if they were with the team. Uh, I mean, you look back at the final four year and yeah, we lost like Dante and Ben Richardson and um, a couple other Andre Jackson and stuff like that. But there was players like ready to fill those roles pretty much right out the gate. Um, and, you know, we had two very exciting freshmen who were very successful at those, that young age on the big stage. 
Whereas, yeah, we have some some young guys that are are looking to, to make it, and we've seen some great stuff out of Saint, but we have seen nothing out of Ben uh, Schweiger, and that's because he redshirted. So, you know, those sort of guys who um, are were on the team but didn't necessarily see a ton of time. Uh, I think it's a little different this year um, versus versus the year like that, like after the Final Four. Um. Hmm. I don't know what else we got here. I mean, we could talk about the travel. We could talk about um, uh, anything with like non-conference. Like, I mean, I'm excited to play some of those Chicago teams, and it, it still seems we don't have that game against that Evanston team. Um, yeah, they're just which, it's okay. Maybe, yeah. maybe when they get a new coach, um, they might uh, change it up. But yeah, no, I think. Um, Honestly, it's, again, the non-conference, this is our first year, in my opinion, really having to dictate our non-conference in a way that prepares us for a heavy, loaded um, conference play, right? Um, So um, that's why I really hope the Myrtle Beach Invitational becomes a nice win. The DePaul game, easily, for sure, is going to something to circle. Um, so yeah, I think there's a heavy mix of talent there. We got Stanford, Clemson, DePaul, Harvard, um, and then a mix of other games just to kind of give maybe not necessarily breathers, but guys playing time or stuff like that. Because again, we've seen the flip side. We've seen the Furman loss. We've seen the Alcorn State loss and stuff like that. So um, is it Alcorn State? What was the game? That's the game you were at, right? Um, no. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, Norfolk State? Norfolk State. There we yeah. go. I knew it had a state. Yeah. Um, like We've seen those losses at home, right? Norfolk was at home. Uh, Furman was away. Um, but um, it's it's just one of those things. And Furman was home, too, because he had the dunk at home. Both so years, yeah. It, yeah, it's just one of those things that the non-conference can help and also hurt so just being prepared but like you said player storylines guys being healthy throughout the season you want them to play the entire season not only a part of the season or only four games the hope would be that they can play throughout the entire season so yeah yes there will be a bit of adjustment but i think if this program and these group of guys some from the team last year want to play at a high level they you kind of got to be prepared to be thrown in to any situation, whether the new conference, new teams you're playing, right? Um, just because it's a different different game when you move move some things around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I honestly I don't have a ton more. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to like a, a consistent coaching staff this year, right? I think I think that's a good thing uh, to have all of our assistants back. Um, you know, last year was a lot of change and that's tough for some of the guys, especially some of the guys that suck around. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, one of the fun things that we saw on Twitter, uh, this past week was, uh, I think it was sports illustrated or someone was doing like, uh, there's three different writers doing a, Oh, draft your, your best, like college basketball rosters. And then, so in addition to the teams, they also picked a head coach. And one of them, and of course now I'm scrolling and can't find it, but ESPN, one of the, one of the guys took, uh, Drew Valentine with his, with his pick at coach, you know, I, I'm sure it was like, I think it was Calipari and 
Mark Few or something. I don't remember who the other one was. But then the third coach is Drew. And, you know, the explanation was great. It's kind of exactly what you think it'd be. And he was just like, oh, well, you know, we don't have – you usually hire an assistant coach that's young and cool and hip and, like, relates to the players. And he just was like, you know, Drew does all that. And he's also an effective head coach and got his team to the uh, the NCAA tournament last year. So, um, you know, I, that's great. I, that's really exciting to see that, the, that Drew is getting some national attention too. At the same time, you know, like, okay, cool it a little bit. You know, I want I want him to stay here, but um, he's got you know he's he's a young successful head coach, and uh, ultimately, when he does continue to bring success to Loyola, that is just a sign that Loyola needs to open up the checkbook for him in a few years uh, if he continues the success that he's on the path. So, um. Yeah, I don't know. Any last thoughts, uh, Lou? Uh, any, um, I don't know, anything that you've been thinking of and dying to get off your chest? Mm, I can't. I was about, do I make a Drake joke? But um, about, sure. No, it's okay. We just don't play them anymore, so that's fine. That makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think the, the biggest thing is we're in the month of a basketball game that includes Loyola Ramblers, so I think that's the biggest thing. Um, hopefully we'll figure out the starting group. Again, it might be tough. With, I don't know how Sheldon Edwards was going to impact that right away. Um, so having healthy players is critical. Um, and we'll, we'll hopefully find out in a few weeks. But excited to talk over the next few weeks. Conference, non-con, get different perspectives. But, yeah, excited for episode one. I can't believe it's we're here, but. Very, very excited. Me too. Um, one of the, just kind of a last note, um, we will have, I think we've already mentioned this, but we will have more coverage of women's basketball this year. Um, I'm going to do a, a good job of trying my best to get down and report on the games. I actually was able to get credentialed this year, which is pretty fun and exciting. And I'll be sitting on press row if you, uh, if you end up going to a women's basketball game. Um, we're, we're still trying to figure out how that works in with this podcast. Um, so if you, if you, the listener, uh, want to see or want to hear more about the women's team, please like reply, like DM us on Twitter, send us an email, uh, podcast1963 at gmail.com. Um, you know, anyway, you can reach out to us, let us know. Um, for now, we're probably just going to keep the podcast to, the men's basketball team, unless, uh, you know, there's big reason to talk about the women, women's team. And then, so you'll find most of our women's basketball content will be through a 10 talk, uh, and articles, um, game recaps, that sort of thing. So, um, but I know, uh, I'm personally excited. I know Lou, you're also excited. Cause I, I know that like, um, we enjoy talking about the women's team as well. And now, uh, I have a, a reason to be at a lot of these games. It'll be, It'll be fun sitting on press row. I get a little credential. Uh, I get a seat, I guess, with my name on it. So it's, it's almost like I'm, I don't know, a professional or something. I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. So, um, yeah, I think that is going to do it here from Buck and Lou. Season 5, Episode 1. Uh, thank you all for listening. We appreciate your continued support. Keep on the lookout for some more stuff from us at Podcast 63. Uh, but have a good night, and don't forget, always remember, go players.